Last Sunday we meditated on life in the presence of God and today we will meditate on life in Christ from the from 1 John chapter 1, 1-4. Now, the Apostle John is writing to the first century Christians who were facing serious health issues. They were facing financial struggles. They were facing relationship problems. They were facing discrimination, injustice, abuse, persecution from authorities and they were facing many more problems. This only shows that the world has always been full of troubles. Not in the first century, even now, the world has always been full of troubles, problems and pain right from Genesis chapter 3 onwards. The 21st century person, you know, due to his pride and trust in education, money, technology, you know, he may not acknowledge this. He may not even realize that all our troubles are exactly the same as the troubles of mankind from the past. He may not acknowledge because he wants to take control over his life. He knows how to run his life. He says, I know how to manage. I'm capable. But if you just look at the history and if you study, you know, the problems are the same. The cause of all the problems is the same. Only the, the only difference is the manifestations of the problems may be different. That's all the difference. Otherwise, as far as the cause of the problems are concerned, the cause is the same, whether in the book of Genesis or in the first century or even in the 21st century, the cause of the problems is the same. You know, you talk about war, you talk about Ukraine-Russia war or any war, Indo-Pak war, hunger, sickness, divorce, violence, injustice, oppression, discrimination, casteism, gender discrimination, sexual perversion. If you see all the problems, the cause is the same. As I said earlier, only the, the difference is only in the manifestation. You know, we can liken the problem of mankind to cancer in our bodies. Cancer is so subtle. You know, even doctors find it difficult to diagnose it. Cancer is very subtle. But it has the ability to manifest itself in a number of ways. And when you go to doctor, doctor is busy treating the symptoms. That's what we are doing. The problems of the world, we are busy treating the symptoms. Sometimes we're scared that 
Christians have even turned the Bible into a psychology book and they feel the answers are with psychologists. You know, they, can, they are only treating the symptoms. They are not treating the cause. So how do we deal with the cause instead of its symptoms? Is there a way? At the outset, we need to recognize, listen to this carefully, our destructive emotions and harmful behavior stem from either not knowing or remembering who God really is. Let me repeat this again. Our destructive emotions and harmful behavior stem from either not knowing or remembering who God really is. The Apostle John by now is an old man, probably at the end of his life, and he's writing this letter to people of all age groups. If you read this letter, you will know that he's writing to fathers, he's writing to young men, he's writing to children. So he is addressing people of all age groups. And he knows about their world. He knows what the people are undergoing. He is not, you know, sitting in, a, in the AC room and he's writing this letter. He knows. He knows their situation. He knows their difficulties. He knows their problems and challenges. And he wants to help them and encourage them. That is the reason why he writes this very letter itself. The basic reason is to help them. And if you read, he himself has suffered a great deal. It is not that he's coming and standing there and he doesn't know about the problems and suffering. He knows very well because he himself has suffered. And he says to the people, I have an extraordinary message for you all. Fathers, young men, children, I have an extraordinary message. Keep in mind, these people are undergoing problems. They were crying, they were agonizing, they were, you know, they were facing persecution, they were facing famine, hunger, all kinds of problems. And he is telling them, I have a breaking news for you. And today, what is that message? What is that message? Let's rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. First John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands are touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it, 
and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. Imagine somebody comes to the pastor and he says, these are the problems I'm facing, serious problems. And I read these four verses. What will be your reaction? I just read these four verses. What will be your reaction? You will say, I know this. Pastor, I didn't come to hear this. I already know this. Did you notice that there are no preliminary greetings we normally see in other epistles? No preliminary greetings. There are no details about who is writing and to whom. Nothing in this letter. John does not even say who he is. Which was the normal thing when they write a letter, they would say who is writing and to whom. John does not even say all that we can infer from the letter, from the internal evidence, we can make out it is John who is writing this letter. Remember, when he wrote this letter, he was the last one alive of Jesus hand-picked and personally trained messengers. He was hand-picked by Jesus Personally trained by our Lord Jesus. And if he is telling that, you know, you go to an expert doctor who is an expert in the field, you know, when he says something, they say he has told. That's what he's telling. If you are disputing, Pastor, do you know what you are saying? You are disputing with the Apostle John. He was personally trained by our Lord Jesus. The focus of the message is what? The importance of knowing the God of the Bible. That is the focus if you read. We need to know the God of the Bible. Believing the right gospel has the power to transform our lives and behavior to reflect God's love to others. It is important. Believing the right gospel message has the power to transform our lives and behavior to reflect God's love to others. We can study this passage under three headings. The Apostles' Gospel. Because it is important we know their gospel. The Apostles' Fellowship, the Apostles' Job, the Apostles' Gospel, the Apostles' Fellowship, the Apostles' Joy. You know, the Apostles' Gospel. You know, as I said, 
we are coming standing before the apostle john the beloved disciple of jesus and i am telling him the problems difficulties he says you know i have the most amazing and unbelievable thing that a man can ever say that's what he says i have nothing else to add i'm going with the struggles and problems and here he says i have something you know it is so important for you you need to hear this you need to hear this i'm saying i'm going to die yes sir even before you die you better hear this message that is the importance of this message you know he says what's that message the word of life was made flesh and dwelt amongst us the word of life was made flesh and dwelt amongst us that's what he says in verses 1 to 2 that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes and looked at and our hands have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life the life appeared we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us what is he doing here he is talking about the certainty of our lord jesus christ the whole purpose of jesus coming down to this world leaving his throne room and coming to this world is to give eternal life to his people we proclaim concerning the word of life we proclaim to you the eternal life you know eternal life is not a life that happens after you die sometimes that's how we and we misunderstand this eternal life is a different quality of life that life is available right here in this world eternal life is not that i die then i get to see that no this life is here in this world it's 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 talking about a different quality of life this eternal life we can foretaste right here in this world life outside god is not life it is existence people just exist just living under one roof doesn't mean they are living they are just existing there's a huge difference between eternal life and the normal life people can be comfortable people can be successful they can have all the money they want in this world they can have all the uh, they can have all the achievements they can they can achieve but the quality of life is different hence it is very important for us to understand the apostles gospel if the apostles were not there we don't know the gospel the very first four gospels you remove it 
where we know nothing about our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. So it is important we always go back to the Apostles' Gospel. Our entire faith is based on the Apostles' Gospel. It is important for us. The Gospel message is what? What they have heard, what they have seen, what they have touched. That's what they are proclaiming. Gospel is based on solid historical facts. It's not a story. It's not an imagination. It's a part of history. That is why it is important that we go back always. Our life is based on the Apostles' Gospel. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter 1.16 For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were eyewitnesses. The gospel brings wholeness to our lives. It brings healing in all aspects of our living. The more you understand, realize and internalize this gospel, this gospel brings healing to your different, the different aspects of our being. You know, our spiritual life, our mental life, our physical life, our emotional life, our social life. Gospel touches everything and it becomes it brings wholeness. It brings wholeness. The moment you tinker with this gospel message, the message may look attractive, but it cannot bring wholeness. You need to go back to the Bible and you have to understand not the way I understand God. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he writes, uh, if, you, if you read about him, you will see that. You know, if if I imagine a God, He is nothing but a projection of myself on the wall. You read his books. A pastor in Germany during the Second World War, he was imprisoned and he was just shot dead just a day before the country was, you know, the, the Germany was liberated. He says, if I imagine a God, he is nothing but a projection of myself on the wall. It is very important you know the God of the Bible. If I imagine a God, he is not going to, you know, um, he is not going to correct me. He is so sweet. He is so beautiful, wonderful, nice. You know, he is not going to correct me. He is not going to chastise me. He is not going to discipline me. But the God of the Bible, when you know the God of the Bible, when you talk with Him, He will correct you. He will guide you. Because He cares for you. Who likes correction? None of us will be like correction. It is important we know the God of the Bible. 
The gospel is more than deliverance from sin, judgment and death. That's how we, of course it is true for the ignorance of sin. Of course we'll be delivered from. And even in death we have resurrection, life in Jesus. But it is even much more than that. The gospel promises a renewed heart. Your heart is transformed. Your entire being is transformed. You have a hunger for God. There is no hunger which is greater than the hunger for God. And the things of the world which, which will, you know, will only dull that hunger. The world will show all good things, but our hunger for God will not be there. That's why in John 17, 3 it says, Now this is eternal life, not after you die, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. You know, genuine salvation always involves deliverance from sin and to holiness. If we are Christians, there has to be transformation in our lives. Life change is inherent in salvation. We cannot keep saying, I have been saved, saved, and there is no, you know, there is no change in our life. That is why the gospel of the people, it will not bring about any change in our life. It will only bring about confusion, ultimately destruction in the end. We need to be very careful. That's the reason Paul says in Galatians 1.8, But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. It is important we don't dilute this message. We don't make it so appealing to people. We don't make it attractive or we don't make it more offensive or less offensive. No. We present the gospel the way it is. We don't dilute this word. What is the gospel message? The gospel message is, apart from any effort of our own, God in Christ has rescued us from sin and death and has given us life and holiness. I want you to understand this more and more. That's why if you understand this message more and more, the gospel, you are surprised. I'm surprised I'm even a Christian. I'm surprised that even God pursued me. The gospel message is that apart from any effort of our own, God in Christ has rescued us from sin and death and has given us life and holiness. We'll all be happy if the Bible has told us you do seven things so that you can be saved. Because we won't achieve it. But salvation is free gift. When we stand there in the presence of God, 
You cannot even say I did this, this much. It is purely his gift. By grace and grace alone. And salvation is coming to the point and understanding this. It is God who has rescued me from sin and death and has given me life and holiness. You have been chosen and redeemed to be holy and blameless. This is the message and it is the responsibility of all Christians to declare this message. That's all the message. How people respond, it is not our duty to make them accept. It is not our duty. Our duty is only to declare, not to force and make them feel guilty and say, you know, you will go to hell. That is not our business. Our business is just to tell this. Salvation is a gift from God. God himself came to this world and died on the cross. And when you believe that he died for your sins, you will be saved. That's all. This is the Apostles' Gospel. And as a Gospel-centered church, each one of us should know this message very well. Next, the Apostles' Fellowship. In 1 John 1.3 he says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, the purpose of writing this letter is, John is encouraging the people who are undergoing all kinds of problems to have fellowship with the Father and with His Son. There must be vertical fellowship with God before there can be horizontal fellowship with others. You know, quite often people try to you know, rectify the horizontal fellowship. It doesn't work. First, this has to be set right. If you want to set right your horizontal fellowship with fellow human beings, with family members, the vertical fellowship should be good. So we have to take care of vertical fellowship. And the Apostle John says, every Christian can have this fellowship. Now, you might be wondering, you know, Jesus was alive at that time. They could touch him. Now, how can I touch him? In the Bible, whenever you come across the word fellowship, you know, it is used interchangeably. And fellowship with God, if you, if you read the Bible, it means, you know, personally knowing God. Fellowship with God means personally knowing God. Walking with God, we all know the story of Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. And in Genesis chapter 17, God will tell Abraham, you walk with me, you walk before me and be blameless. So fellowship with God is basically walking with God. So I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the last one, personally known by God. You know, fellowship with God can be 
interchange with any one of these terms. It means the same. Personally knowing God, walking with God, and personally known by God. What defines us as Christians is not that we have come to know God, but that God took note of us and made us his own. What defines us as Christians is not that we have come to know God, but that God took note of us and made us his own. How do you deal with this information? How do you think about it? It is not what you have done what he has done. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Let me read a few sentences from J.I. Packer. He has written in Knowing God. He says, what matters supremely is not the fact I know God, but the fact he knows me. I am engraved on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment therefore when his care falters. Let me read it once more. What matters supremely is not the fact that I know God but the fact that he knows me. I am engraved on the palms of his hands I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment therefore when his care falters. That is your God and my God. That is your God and my God. What do you do when you stand before this God? What do you do? In John 10, 27 he says, My sheep Listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. John's only, the very purpose of writing this epistle, if you read all the five chapters, it's, it, there's so much. You know, he wrote the Gospel of John just to tell who is Jesus? 
if you read the Gospel of John, it is basically about who is Jesus. He is going, he's going to talk about the seven signs and all that. But in this particular letter, he is not telling who is Jesus. What do you have in Jesus? What do you have in Jesus? And that's what he says. And his focus is his people to whom he is writing that they may have fellowship with God. They may have fellowship with God. It's the word of God. And the Bible says so that we may have fellowship with God. We may have fellowship with God. And sometimes we may wonder, how can I have fellowship with God? If God is only our ATM, then we can never have fellowship with God. All that we do is go and give him a shopping list. What he's supposed to deliver. Then we cannot have fellowship with God. If you truly want to have fellowship with God, you need to sit and adore him. Spend time with him. You know, if you read the biography of Sadhu Sundar Singh, I already told you about uh, Blaise Pascal, uh, but I'll, today I'll talk about Sadhu Sundar Singh. The lady who's writing his biography, she says, she writes, as I peek through a small hole in the window, you know, whether he's ready for the breakfast, so all I see is, you know, with crossed legs, he's sitting on the floor with eyes closed, sometimes four to six hours. He's not doing yoga. Let, let that be very clear. He's doing meditation. He's not doing yoga. With crossed legs, sitting on the floor, sometimes four to six hours. That is fellowship with God. How often have we sat to have this fellowship with God? Do we hunger for this fellowship? Do we think, you know, we think it's a waste of time. Because we have control of, we have control over our life. Sitting in the presence of God is a waste of time. Sitting just in the presence of God, not asking anything from Him, but just adoring Him. Standing in awe of Him. He is the one who came in search of you. You didn't go in search of him. He came. He gave his life. He shed his blood. Do we have that hunger? Do you desire that? It is possible. I pray that all of us will have that hunger. We don't have it. Let's cry out to God, give us that hunger. This fellowship is possible in 21st century on 14th August 2022. It's possible. It will be possible till the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, give me that heart that I'll hunger for you. Give me that heart. Take away everything you want from me. Take away. But Lord, I want you. Will you cry out this morning? Give me that hunger. I'm not coming to you because I can get things from you, O oh Lord. 
I'm not coming to you because you will make my situation fine. I'm not coming to you, O oh Lord, because you will provide for me. I'm coming to you because I want you. I just want you. I pray our hunger for God will increase. You know, true Christians know what they have. They are aware of what they possess. You cannot invite someone to share something. If you call somebody, come and share something with me. You should be very clear what you have in the first place. Even if you want to share the gospel message, you need to know what you have. You can only share what you have. You cannot share what you don't have. So as Christians, we should be aware and we should know what we possess. We need to have this assurance of salvation. It is important. We should grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Christ, Jesus Christ. We need to know the salvation. Salvation is important. The more we understand our salvation, we will know who our God is, what he has done for us. We can never have the joy of salvation if we are very vague about our salvation. I'm not very clear. They say, you just say this prayer. I say, and they say, God is with you. If that is kind of the vagueness that you have, you really, it's very difficult to have the joy of salvation. If you don't have that assurance, what you have in Jesus. That's why it's important we know John chapter 17, 3. We already saw this verse. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We should know this. This is the assurance of our salvation. All our problems, they stem from the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. The heart, when you take any problem, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. When the gospel message touches our heart, it is not here in the head. When the gospel message touches the core of our heart, you know, you will experience that there is not only joy, but also the experience of melting away of your fear, guilt, shame, uncertainty, discouragement. When the gospel message touches the inner core, you remember the Paul praying, I pray that out of his glorious riches, out of his glorious riches, God is already rich. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That is salvation experience. Christ may dwell in your hearts. God has to help us. And that is that real faith. Have you had this experience? Do you desire this experience?
Do you want this experience? This fellowship with God? Is there a little bit of that desire? Will you hunger for it more and more? Will you hunger for it more and more today? Finally, the apostles joy. We saw the apostles gospel. We saw the apostles fellowship. The, then we saw, let's see, the apostles joy. You know, in verse 4 he says, we write this to make our joy complete. It is possible for us to have a joy which is unquenchable, which cannot be defeated, which can prevail and triumph under any conditions whatsoever. How do you know you have faith? Not when life is going fine. When life goes on fine, everyone has faith. When everything breaks outside of you, and then you know you have that peace. That's the time you really know you have faith. Not when you succeed, when you fail. Not when people praise you, when people accuse you. Not that when you have lost a job, when you have a job, but when you have lost a job. When you have Christ, when Jesus Christ is in your boat, no storm can trouble you. Because the wave and the wind, the wind and the waves, they obey. That's how you know you are faith. That is why it is important we know who this Lord Jesus Christ is. That's the reason the very first, all the three verses we saw, he's focusing, he's describing our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes Jesus Christ has become so familiar, the name. You know, we don't spend time to just meditate and to understand who is this person? The person of Jesus who came and dwelt amongst us. We will never know any joy until we know Jesus Christ. You can try, you can do everything, you can gather all the money you want, all the education you want, all that you can achieve, but you will never have any joy until you know Jesus Christ. He is the source of joy. He is the fountain of all blessings. Everything comes through Him. You know, as a church, we have got nothing to declare apart from Jesus Christ. The risen Lord Jesus. Amen? We have the risen Lord Jesus. If we don't declare the risen Lord Jesus, we have nothing else. And that is the reason John is writing this letter. His sole purpose is to help people who are undergoing serious problems, difficulties, challenges, pain, says, know who your Lord is. Have fellowship with Him. Have fellowship with Him. Now the question is, how can we have that joy? 
how can we have that joy? Let me make quick application of this message. The first thing, if you want to have the joy, sin is serious. Sin is serious. You know, when the gospel message is distorted, you just don't know what is sin, what is not sin, because God is loving. You know, I, I was interacting with our students in our children's church. Uh, they asked wonderful questions. Uh, you know, they said, it's nice. At that age, these are the questions you have. God is so loving. Okay? So they said, if somebody repents um, before he dies, what will happen to him? Just before. You know, this is the trick of the devil. Have you not gone through this? You know, God is loving. Today you enjoy your life. It's okay. You can do this. It's okay. Just before death, you say, Lord, forgive me my sins. Okay? God will forgive your sins. But remember that forgiveness that you are asking, you are not repenting for your sins. You, you will experience the forgiveness of sins only when you truly repent your sins. Okay? Uh, God is loving, yes. Even before that last beat in your heart, you say, God forgive me, still he'll forgive. But if it's not accompanied with true repentance, it's not forgiveness. You're not asking forgiveness. Um, there was a man, I, uh, he said, you know, he always said there is no God. And towards his end, he was on his deathbed, and somebody went and said, you see, you have all through your life, you have said, uh, there is no God. What do you, what will happen when you wake up on the other side, and if you find there is a God, of course he has to forgive me. You see, there is no repentance. We can live like that. So sin is a serious business. So John says we have to face sin with seriousness. We cannot push it under the carpet. If you want to have fellowship with God, you need to deal with sin. That is, that is the prerequisite. You know, the scriptures are packed with many verses. I'll just give you three verses. John 1.5 God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. Habakkuk 1.13 Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, some of you must be thinking, you know, after all, God is a loving God. I know Jesus. And once I have accepted Jesus, Pastor, you preached from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You said, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. True. And you said, all us guilt has been removed. True. I preached on that. Now, why do you say that? Still, sin still gets in the way of fellowship. You need to be very clear. When you are talking about forgiveness, 
and when you are talking about fellowship when you are talking about forgiveness that's a legal position when you stand before god your sins have been forgiven because of the blood shed by jesus your sins have been forgiven okay i am not doubting our salvation i am not contradicting what paul said therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus i am talking about fellowship you could be forgiven and you may not be having fellowship with god and what john says is you should have fellowship with god you know i am i'm talking you know your your mother's child you know remains a child no matter what the child might do but the personal relationship can most definitely be harmed by child's behavior i'm talking about a true example you know there's a mother we know that mother you know she loves her daughter you know at a young you know she did something which the mother didn't approve okay and now the daughter is helpless so she comes back to the mother because she has no food so the mother she was so angry when this daughter did this we know the story now the mother gives the food you know the daughter is there you know how she gives she also tells us i just give my food food like this i don't look at her you know what is fellowship fellowship is seeing each other face to face you know god has forgiven your sins you are a child of god you are a child of god but if there is sin he hides his face from us god hides his face from us if you want fellowship it is basically seeing god face to face having that interaction so what sin does is you know it disturbs that fellowship i am not talking about forgiveness of sins i am talking about fellowship with god if you hunger for fellowship with god you need to deal with sin strictly ruthlessly you need to confess we need to confess our sins every day i realize that many of the things have become a pattern in my life no longer i see it as sin because i have justified all of us we justify when we commit our sins we justify over a period of time it has become a pattern and part of my life so i cry out to god lord convict me more and more because it has become a part of my life what i want is fellowship with you you know the general definition of sin in the society when you go outside you know when the parents they look at a prospective proposal he is not smoking he is not drinking he is working he goes to church every sunday he reads bible he prays good proposal they get the daughter married and then issue starts after that you know sin is there inside of us sin is there it's part of our dna 
this DNA has to be replaced with the gospel DNA. That is salvation. That is the gospel message. If you are only looking at the external DNA, excellent, excellent. Oh, this person is so good. Wonderful. But what is the gospel DNA? You want fellowship with God? Deal with your sin. Ask God, convict me, convict me. Be ruthless with sin. When the Bible says, there's a sin, that is sin. Don't justify. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me not to repeat this. So the first thing we need to do is, we need to refine our definition of sin. Sin is not just drinking and smoking and just she's wearing that dress, so she's sinful. That is not the definition of sin. Anything which comes in our relationship with God is sin. Whatever Bible calls a sin, it is sin. Doesn't matter. People around us say it's fine, fine, fine. No. If the Bible says it is sin, it is sin. All that I hunger is fellowship with God. I want His presence. I want to be in His presence. The second thing is make prayer the priority of your life. Living in a city environment, we are too, too busy, too preoccupied with everything else. We find it difficult to nourish our inner life. We don't have time for the inner life. We have time for everything else. We want to be spiritual, but on our terms. And we want it fast, like fast food. I'll go to God, 10 minutes I'll pray. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. You, he's a gracious God. Even if you don't ask, He will still provide for you. But if you, are, if you are hungry for the fellowship, you cannot do this business with God. Fast food will not work with God. Everything you have got, has come from God. That's how gospel changes us. Everything you have got. Everything. Today, if you think you have your talents, if you think you have a job, if you think you have education, if you think you have parents, you have got it, you received it from God. If you think you have food on the table, Remember, God had to see that somebody in the field works there. And that farmer, he works. He prepares. And then, somebody transports it. Somebody brings it to the shop. And you got it. God has given you a job. And you have money. And you go and buy. You, you see, God has given food, but God had to work in different areas so that you get food on the table. So when you when you are talking about anything that you have, remember you have received it from God. What do you have that you have not received from God? What do you have you have not received from? 